and welcome to the Cutting Edge Podcast, all things health and wellness, COVID-19 and beyond, where we transport you into the sacred space of black barbershops and salons for truth talk with servant leaders who love our people. Well, welcome to the first edition of the Cutting Edge as a podcast, and I'm so excited to be able to share with this audience a new way of communicating uh, to get the message out, not only about COVID, but all things health and wellness. My name is Dr. Stephen B. Thomas. I'm a professor in the Department of Health Policy and Management at the University of Maryland School of Public Health, where I also direct the Maryland Center for Health Equity. And I have been at the university now since 2010. And you know what's amazing? is that the pandemic really put public health front and center. I've got some of my students asking questions like, um, uh, not asking questions, but actually saying, hey, Dr. Thomas, my parents now know what public health is. It took a pandemic to realize that there are certain things that we're all in this together for real. No one needed a fancy uh, formula to know that when the pandemic hit, people of color we're going to hit, be hit hard because of all those underlying conditions. And so early on, we recognized the need to meet people where they are, to go to places where they already have trust. And that was the barbershops and the beauty salons. And the program is called HAIR, Health Advocates in Reach and Research. And we are so excited to take the next step in our journey to take charge of our own health. And I am here with one of the giants of radio to help us launch our podcast on the Barbershop Storybook. I have Mr. Larry Young out of Baltimore City right here in the studio. Hey, Larry, how you doing? Dr. Thomas, thank you for honoring me to be a part of this initiative. I'm excited about what is ahead of us. And thank you again for inviting me. I was recently at a celebration about your retirement. And I'm sitting there listening to you. I'm saying, what are you talking about retirement? It has to be about a transition. Because you told your story of living with type 2 diabetes. And I was sitting there saying, wow, that could be in the barbershop storybook. Can you say something about what it has meant to live and keep hope all through the struggle of the civil rights movement and now through the daily struggles of everyday living. First of all, I have a tremendous doctor, Dr. Pennant. I want to thank her for helping me, but I also want you to know that uh, I like your word. Retirement probably should not have been used because I'm far from that. <laughs> uh, yes, I've been with Radio 1, Radio 1, WOB 1010 for 25 years. And that part of getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and getting here at 6 and going through my show. So that part is concluded. And so we got some other things which I'll be announcing and sharing with the public in just a few weeks. But for right now, um, i got to say this. I found, as chairman of the health committee when I was in the legislature, uh, black men tend to be very stubborn. Mm. We tend not to listen to the doctors mm -hmm. until more often than not, it's too late. There we go. I was told by my doctor, Uffman Ray, bless his spirit, 
Larry, you're gonna be obesity is gonna be a problem for you. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was not even giving it much thought. Mm. Uh, I've been told by others, Larry, you're gonna what you, you you at your weight, you should at your height and your weight should be this and that. Mm-hmm. And I saw that when I went to Annapolis, I was 22 years of age, and when I left Annapolis 23 years later, I had gone from weighing 180 mm. to weighing 300. Wow! And you, that was just wrong, you, Doc. Well, you'd be in a different part of the lineup <laughs> from, from a linebacker to the line man. There you go, sir. <laughs> and 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 but it wasn't because the the doctors weren't telling me. Yes. I just I we were stubborn. Yes. And I found out that that I'm I had the problem and others now some are very good at it. Uh, right now, I would have to say that of my, my godson and some other associates, I've watched them. Yes, they're much more mindful what they will eat, what they won't eat. But that wasn't what I was about. And then, of course, uh, when I did run into a serious problem mm. uh, about uh, seven months ago, and uh, they had to amputate my lower limb. Oh, my friend! It was due to the fact that my diabetes was a problem, mm. and had I taken care of myself, they would have went in and maybe not had to do that. But because I didn't take, notice what I'm saying. Yes. I did not take care. I did not listen. Okay. And now I'm paying the cost of it. Well, I think that, number one, let me salute your personal responsibility. I get that. There are things that we can do. But we are also in an environment where the information that we need is not getting to us in a form we can use. And, and now I'm looking in the mirror at my peers who have solutions to the very issues you've described and those solutions live in our scientific journals. That's why I'm here with you today, to bring you on to help me and my team learn to use radio as a way of communicating to our people what they can do, but also how to change the conditions that actually make type 2 diabetes one of the leading causes of death and disability in this country at a time when it's totally preventable for a lot of people. So you can be a source of encouragement here. And that's why I want to show you something uh, from the African-American Cultural Festival. Your dear friend, Madam Speaker, Adrienne Jones. I'm telling you, isn't she something else? She's that. Uh, This is my second year participating in the conference. And, uh, and the second year was all focused on health, black health and wellness. And if you take a look through this book with all of the sponsors, you're going to come across something, Larry, that uh, is really, really different. Uh, yeah, you're going to see some superheroes in there, Batman and all the superheroes for the kids. But there's something in here called the Barbershop Storybook. Take a look at that artwork. Now, for the audience out there who can't see what Larry's looking at, let me just tell you, he's smiling. He's looking at the page with awe. Very nice. That's a young, approachable African-American artist, Jasmine Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Working yes, with, I met him. I met him that afternoon. Well, you know, uh, Jasmine and Marcus are quite memorable. And so we have the first two books of the Barbershop Storybook, the Jacksons. Uh-oh. Uh, and uh, Wonder why in it was that, called the Jacksons. Well, you know, uh, Antoine lost his job, and now he's sleeping in his sister's apartment. 
I think everybody knows that Antoine. What do you think? I think so. <laughs> and Antoine won't get a job because don't you remember in the pandemic where the jobs required you to be vaccinated? Remember that? He refuses to be vaccinated. But he wants to stay in her apartment. He's going on three weeks now. Please. Come on. Not listening. <laughs> Not listening. He's at the hell no wall. And so everybody knows an Antoine. And over time, we get to have empathy with people who are going through their daily lives, suffering at no fault of their own, but with the right information, Larry, they could save their lives and reduce the suffering. That's what we want our podcast to be about. And with your help, we can reach more people. Wow. They take the time. It's real. It'll catch you. I can't wait to read it. I'm going <laughs> to make sure I do just that. Okay. Do you, do you, um, is there a particular age group you're after? You know, when I saw you looking at that book, I realized that it's, a, it's ageless. I saw a father reading it to a son who was sitting in the barbershop, scared to get in the chair. I was wondering why he was scared to get in the chair. And it wasn't, it was because his last haircut was a bad experience. So I saw his dad sitting there and reading the comic book to him. I thought that was interesting. And then I watched you looking at it. You couldn't take your eyes off of it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good. And I'm glad to see that it is definitely pictures of serious color. Indeed. She's a wonderful, wonderful artist. But the stories come from real people. And that's why I'm here talking with you, that your story can help someone along the path. And when they get to that fork in the road and have to make a decision, they have better information to make a decision that's best for themselves and their loved ones. And so when you think about those forks in the road for you and your health, and that's over the arc of an amazing career. I, I heard uh, them talk about you at that retirement party. Remember that one? <laughs> uh, I heard Al Sharpton talk about you. Uh, it was just amazing. So there have been many forks that you have come across. As we think about health and at this stage in, in your arc, lessons do you share with me today in this audience about the forks in the road? One, you have to, again, I'm going to keep emphasizing, get the best doctor you can possibly find, him or her, in my case, Dr. Pennant. But uh, it's a good thing for them to talk with you and mean well, but if you don't listen, you're going to stumble, and when you stumble, you most often will fall. And so the key thing is to say to yourself, I want to learn, I want to do better, and through prayer and, ex and doing what you're asked to do, monitoring, it's okay. You can rebound. Um, I, I have not been at uh, the location of Radio 1 since April. Okay. I was able to literally get there uh, the other morning and walk up seven steps that I couldn't even think of taking. Okay. 
this past April, May, June, July, August, September, October, here it is, November. Okay. And so you say to yourself, and I got to tell you, Doc, uh, once, once you don't listen and then you have, and you make your stumbles, it is difficult. Okay. You are, you're, to, 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 to realize in my case, uh, amputation, the limb. Yes. It stops you from doing a lot of stuff you would love to do. Yes. I, things I've missed that I wouldn't have missed had I listened and obeyed what I was told to do. But no, I want to do it my way. My way did not come to a PhD, an MD, or MD at all dealing with health. <laughs> I did learn the legislative policy side. There you go. Because I was in the legislature and I got that. But you got to take from those who have been there and uh, listen. And so uh, one of the things I did say, and I mean it, I'm going to be emphasizing, I will be an advocate for those with disabilities. Okay. That's the one thing I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to be an advocate for those with disabilities. There are so many things. For instance, I can remember going to my bank, Harbor Bank, and there's a meter for a handicap. That's right. And I'm guilty. Okay. I shouldn't have parked there. All right. And a lot of people just say, I'm going to, no, 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 family. Believe you me. They're not enough. That's right. And so when you park uh, where it says disability, don't do it. Right. Because one day you don't know you might really need it. See? And I was one of those who, I'm going to run in here and get out. No, 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 no. (laughs) So now, as one of the things I'm Uh advocating wherever I can in my speech, respect what's out there for these those with disabilities. But you don't want to be a disabled person. That's right. So obey. But look how you are looking in the mirror, Larry. That's a one difficult thing to do. Twice now, you've looked in the mirror and said, I could have done better. And you're letting folk know who coming behind you that coming to that same fork. Empathy for those who may be suffering. And that's why putting this information in the form of a graphic novel and talking about it in the barbershops and beauty salons, I need to know what you think about that. I am excited about it. Um, my barber and I, we tend to talk about the Ravens, <laughs> Pittsburgh, man. But anyway, we talk about everything. And, of course, he knows I'm into politics, and he's learned to have conversations based on who's in the chair with him. But, uh, no, sir, I have a feeling that you're going to reach many, many more folk because of taking the beauty salon and the barbershops. <laughs> that's our sacred ground. There we go. And th- these guys, in some cases, women now. That's doing right. The hair. So whoever your barber is, he or she, yeah, they're going to get some information, I'm told, from Dr. T. I noticed that. Thank you. From Dr. T. That's going to make them informed. Yes. They're going to be so good at it. You would consider them even to be a counselor to you. And your barbershop person will check you out. After all, he knows you. He's got your back, and he's got your front, (laughs) and he's got your sides. So he's going to know if you're doing right by your example in front of him and as you, he, and her talk. So, man, whoever thought about using the salons and the barbershops, that was the right vehicle to go with, the right one. And we're trying to do it the right way to, to respect the sacred space uh, that is the barbershop and salon and, and, and to make, uh, and, and to leave it gracious, be thankful for being let into that space. And so the formal training matters. And um, this is why the, uh, uh, the caregiving is so important. You talked about some empathy around the 
parking uh, at the handicap. But now that you find yourself also relying on caregivers, that's a, that's a transition. Talk a little bit about that transition and to help the caregivers understand what the new role is. The, uh, wow. I've, I had to go through a few folks to get to the point. Uh, you know, at my age, uh, I'm pretty much set in my ways. Mm-hmm. So that caregiver has to come in. You mean you're a man's man? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's hard for me to make some changes. Okay. Uh, and so the caregiver you get, caretaker you get, he or she needs to really have a special spirit about him or herself. And uh, the two of you should hopefully find uh, good chemistry and appreciation for what uh, they're going to endure and what you're going to endure. And you have to become a team. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, the person has to, they're going to look at you as a six or eight hour job. Mm-hmm. That is not going to work. Mm-mm. They got to care. And love. They gotta, yes. They, they got to care, genuinely care. And uh, that's exactly what I've been fortunate enough to land on. Someone who is now, who cares. I'm not a six to eight hour job. Uh, they want to make sure. In fact, they'll call in the evening mm-hmm. and see, am I okay? Good. You know, or if they have any way, shape, or form, uh, they they uh, try their best to be on time. Mm-hmm. They want to make sure that I have as least to worry about to start my day as possible. Mm-hmm. That's a cheers one. And also, let me tell you that they uh, have, there's so many of them in, the, in, in this here country, and Medicare and Medicaid are not kind to them in terms okay. of resources. Okay. But they still do it. All right. Uh, and so that's another part of the agenda. What could I do to make sure that they can be given uh, a little bit more resources than they are? Uh, you got people out here who are caregivers start as low as ten dollars an hour, and the things that they have to do mm. ten, fifteen, twenty. But truthfully told, the rate is really twenty six fifty if you had a professional person. Yes, but uh, no, they are not paid what they deserve if they're good. You know, Larry, we're finding the same thing with our independent certified community health workers. Our barbers have been, stylists have been certified by the state. They would have to leave their job in the barbershop and salon and go work for the health department, get a pay cut in order to be reimbursed through the existing broken system. How might we get the independent certified community health worker compensated through the health care all the healthcare dollars going around. That's where you can help bring the wisdom of the legislative process to help us educate our communities and our barbershops about why we vote, how we change legislation to make the right choice, the easy choice, to make going into caregiving a valued profession for the right people. I don't want to spite him because I've not talked to him. We call it blind. I don't want to blindside him. <laughs> but the person who I would go to, if I can get to him and I can, is uh, Senator Antonio Hayes, who oh, serves okay. on the Senate Finance Committee. But he also has a great deal of interest in health care issues. And uh, we're going. I can talk to him, and we'll talk to him. But uh, I do, uh, uh, from time to time, I haven't done one in a while, but I do do legislative upwork. So that people know the process. It's not just that morning paper. It's not just that news story. 
You really need to know how legislation gets passed. And believe you me, after I get finished talking with you, you'll be informed, but you'll say, no wonder I don't want to run for office. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hope I heard it right. But what I heard you say was legislative blood work. Did I hear that right? Well, maybe not term. Maybe that was too strong. But I'll say that you, the process is difficult one. I like that term because all of us need to go to our medical home and get our blood work done to know your numbers, you know, your cholesterol, your triglycerides. All those things are very important. And so I like that legislative blood work. Because well, we'd be need happy to, to take the uh, it's course that uh, usually takes me about 45 minutes to an hour. And once they leave, they will understand that the, 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 the three systems of executive, judicial, and uh, legislative. But I concentrate heavily on legislation mm. and how come the speaker has starts out that she has, or in this case it is, and she yes. thinks that congratulations. Uh, she starts out with 54 <laughs> votes. All she needs is 71. Well, how does she get to 54? Mm. So I'm like, we explain that. And the president of the Senate, all he needs is uh, 29. He needs 32. So it's very hard to beat legislative leaders if they have put together that kind of number, those kind of numbers. Mm. So when your bill comes out of the committee process, and the speaker says he or she likes it, you're pretty good standing. But if they say they're against it, you know why they got <laughs> lobbyists down there being paid millions of dollars because it's a hard system to beat, but you can. Yes. But you can. Or the public has such an uproar. Yes. And a concern that they want to get something done. Okay. That you ain't got to worry about those 54 or those 29. They feel it because they hear from the people. Mm. And so uh, there's a good chance that uh, people will be better informed. And we do our part to help them become better informed. And do you think that we can do that kind of education and information delivery in barbershops and beauty salons? Well, I think what we should do, like I uh, suggested, I think we need to have a call meeting, a call to action okay, meeting. Okay, okay. Where we invite barbers and salons folks to come in. And on that given evening, yes. we'll give them some ideas to what it's going to take to get something done. Now, you brought up the idea of legislation, so that'll yes. be the, one of the things that will add to your uh, curriculum, Okay, if you will, Dr. T, and uh, let them know. It's going to be, uh, there's a book that they can get a little pamphlet just like this one, <laughs> The Legislative Process, and every delegate and senator has about 50 to 60 of them to give away every session. Most of those books stay right there. Wow. And it's a shame. They get a manual. And I used to have manuals given of the budget. Yes. The state, which is the most important instrument in the legislative process, is your budget. Yes. Some of them use it as door stoppers because the public don't know what to ask. But do believe you me, it's, uh, I'm saying to myself, now, Larry, stop because you can find yourself doing more than you can do. <laughs> <laughs> you know but, what? Uh, that is one thing that I would like to do is maybe do a session, or constant sessions on getting ready for the 20, 2023 legislative session, which starts in about 10 weeks. You know, we have had two of our cutting-edge Zoom town halls focused on voting. And here's a common theme that came across from our barbers and stylists across the country. We need more legislators to come in to talk to us, to meet with us, to, to to engage us, to to 
ask for our vote. We need more of them. Do we need to invite them? What do we need to do to get more of them to come right down to the local barbershop and so on? The, the key word is to make it upon, take it upon yourself to call and invite them. Uh, more often than not, uh, they don't get invited. Hmm. And the, but you do have a few activists who will ask them to do this and to do that. The more they get to know you, the better and the more comfortable each of you can be with each other. Doesn't mean you're always going to agree, but you've got to have communication. I tell people it's better to be slow and right than fast and wrong. <laughs> and so you have communication, and that starts off. And if you both start listening to each other, more often than not, you can find a consensus. Slow and right between fast and wrong. You know that... Uh, University of Maryland mascot is a terrapin. You know that, right? <laughs> I went to University of Maryland for two years. <laughs> you can't go forward without sticking your neck out. <laughs> True. No, I got another good one from you. Well, I think that uh, who could have imagined that coming out of the pandemic, we'd come up with creative ways of reaching our community, kind of reconnecting. You know what I like about the barbershop? You could be sitting there with uh, a sitting judge, uh, uh a, a guy from the loading dock of uh, PhDs, MDs, and no Ds at all. There you go. You are radio man. PhDs, MDs, no Ds at all. Yeah. And there's a few places where you see that. We need more of that. No doubt. No doubt. Well, Dr. T, I tell you, man, this is all too uh, short, but we'll have to get together again soon. Well, this is just the beginning, and I just want to thank you for taking time to share with us your journey and uh, uh, give encouragement to all of us out here trying to make the world a better place. This has been the first edition of the Cutting Edge Podcast. Talking today with Mr. Larry Young, Baltimore City, a legend. Thank you, sir. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you the next time on The Cutting Edge.